Hello and welcome to Clout, a podcast profiling Australia's future leaders in Asia. I'm Lucy Duke. And I'm Brodie Burns-Williamson. Thanks for joining us. Each week, we talk to Aussies making an impact in their community to learn about the dash of language, the pinch of culture, and the blind luck that led them to where they are today. We ask our guests to take us on their journey to Asia capability by sharing with us their choice of food, song, show, and person to help us understand what being an Aussie with clout is all about. Our guest today is Tim Martin. Tim is an entrepreneur who is very much at the start of the journey. An MBA graduate from the University of Melbourne, Tim recently made the big decision to relocate to Bali with family in tow and a long-term plan to make a mark on one of the region's fastest growing economies. I first met Tim as he prepared for an arbitration competition in Hong Kong way back in 2008. Since then, common thread across Tim's career in legal services, public policy and organisational strategy has been an idea to do more with Indonesia. And finally, that day has come. Tim, welcome to Cloud. G'day, Brody. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure, Tim. As you know, we ask our guests to nominate a food, a song, a movie, and a person to help us understand what the journey to becoming an Australian with Asia capability is all about. So what food are you kicking off with? So I'll kick off with Good Egg, G-U-D-E-G. It's a dish that is from Jogjakarta and Central Java, and it's vegetarian or vegan. It's made with young jackfruit, but done in a way that just makes it seem deceptively like red meat. So it's kind of, um, you know, stewy and stringy like a pulled pork or something like that. Probably a very close second, I think, would be tempeh bacham. So for the uninitiated, tempeh is made from soybeans, similar to uh, tofu, but it is at the end of the production process, they grow a fungus on it as a sort of a kind of a, like a meaty fermented kind of taste to it. And tempeh bacham is where it's marinated. So again, it's plant-based, but, and it's a very old dish, but it tastes very sort of meaty. So I think the reason why I choose those two, first of all, when I met my wife who's Indonesian, I wasn't vegetarian at the time. So I was just trying everything and enjoying all the food. But then about five years ago, I became vegetarian. And then so I started paying a, a bit more attention to the Indonesian dishes I could eat, of which there's heaps. Like I'm absolutely spoiled for choice here. So number one, they're very convincingly meaty tasting vegetarian dishes. Very common. You see them on menus everywhere, affordable, easy. And the second is, I think, so both before and after I became vegetarian, my wife is, her mum's side of the family is from Jogjakarta and her dad's side's from Sumatra. And they mostly eat Javanese, especially Central Javanese food at home. And Central Javanese food tends to be very sweet, very caramelized flavors, not a lot of spice, but very sort of like hearty kind of comfort food. And usually the chili paste, the sambal is on the side. You can add that to taste, but most central Javanese people aren't adding a lot of sambal to their food. They're they're not that fond of spice. And I think I just, both before and after I became vegetarian, just loved central Javanese food. It's absolutely delicious. 
So, yeah, and I'm getting hungry just thinking about it, but good egg. I've got a friend of mine who he's also Australian and his partner's Indonesian and he's, I'm vegetarian, so I eat a lot of stuff that he doesn't, he's vegan. But the first time he came to Indonesia and had good egg, he was convinced that someone had given him meat and that there'd been a, a miscommunication. <laughs> so he had to say, oh, sorry, like, can someone help translate here? I don't eat meat. And they said, sir, it's not meat, it's made out of fruit. So, yeah, it's a very, very good meat substitute, good egg. And you probably wouldn't think fruit, at least I wouldn't, as a bit of a meat substitute. That sort of throws me a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That's the last thing you think of. But yeah, absolutely amazing. I think I've seen, like, it started to sort of take off just as a bit of a vegan thing in countries like Australia with, I think I saw like a, a Mexican pulled pork thing that was actually made with jackfruit or something like that at the supermarket. So I think people have realized that this fruit tastes like meat if you do it right. And it's taken the world by storm. All right, so now let's head over to your nomination for a song. You've put forward part three by Tesla Manaf. Am I saying it right? Yeah, uh, close enough. I think um, Tesla Manaf. Yeah, so this is a really recent discovery of mine. So I haven't really delved that much into Indonesian pop culture, especially Indonesian music. When I first met my wife um, about 12 years ago, you know, as often people do, you know, they talk about the things they share in common. And she loved a lot of the same indie music from the 90s and 2000s that I did. So we bonded a lot over that. But I've only recently really started to look into and discover Indonesian music. And for the most part, it's been local indie bands from Jakarta and Bandung, where there's been really big indie rock and indie pop scenes you know for decades but then I recently made one of my first friends since I moved here recently I've got a lot of friends here but they're all sort of through my wife but this is one of the few friends that I've made independently but really smart interesting guy and I was talking to him about how gamelan which is traditional Indonesian music it's kind of like classical music but local to the region has really unique time signatures so I think if I understand correctly, there's um, certain parts of the orchestra that play to, uh, you know, on every fifth beat and there's another part of the orchestra that plays on every seventh or something like that. And then there, the conductor, certain instruments basically bridge them with some other sound. It's all very technical and I'm not a musician, but it just fascinates me that it's not a 4-4 beat and that there's kind of different time signatures working the same song. And I was talking to my friend about this and... He said, oh, you've got to check out Tesla Manaf. So I looked him up on Spotify. Uh, he's this incredibly talented musician from, I think he's from Jogjakarta or Bandung, I can't remember, but classically trained and in gamelan. And he fuses gamelan with jazz and contemporary influences and recently wrote an original film score as well for an Indonesian movie that is really, really cool. And the way that he sort of blends these influences and makes it all coherent and makes it work is just fascinating. So that's my nomination. Lovely. We'll have a quick listen to part three by Tesla Manaf and be right back. So, mate, Tim, 
On to the movies. You've nominated something a bit more contemporary, an Indonesian movie, The Raid. Yeah, so The Raid, I think there's a few sequels and prequels now. It's turned into this big franchise. I think I've seen number one and maybe number two a long time ago. Number one came out in 2011 and I keep on mentioning my wife. She's obviously my link to Indonesia. But when we first started dating, she was still living in Indonesia and I was living in Melbourne and we were seeing each other long distance. And she had come out to visit me in Melbourne for a few weeks and she said, oh, hey, if you're free, I don't know if you'd be interested, but there's this Indonesian movie that there's this martial like martial arts guru who made this action film uh, and it's supposed to be really good and it's showing in one of the independent movie cinemas in Melbourne. It might have been Kino and Carlson or something like that. Do you want to go along? And I said, yeah, let's do it. And I had in mind, you know, it would be a very cultural experience that, you know, it would be some sort of arty foreign film and I could go along and, you know, wear a scarf and sip wine and, and feel very cultured. I go along and it is one of possibly the most violent film I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like an action mob kind of movie. It's like someone gets in trouble with the wrong crowd and they want to seek vengeance kind of thing. I don't think the plot was that important to it, but the martial arts was incredible. There's this local martial art, the, the sort of blanket term for martial arts in the region is called Panchak Silat in right, um, right. Bahasa, Indonesia. So the stunts that are all done in Panjak Silla and these incredible fight scenes. But then it's like the different main characters each have their own preferred weapon. One of them, I think it was a female character, her preferred weapon is a claw hammer and the way that she mutilates people with a claw hammer is sickening. So it wasn't quite the art house experience I was expecting. Okay, not, not very relaxed. Really, not very relaxed. It was a stomach-churning, brutally violent action film. But just the stunt scenes were amazing. The production quality was incredible. Really, really good action film. Maybe one for the Christmas break. <laughs> That's right. I should revisit it, actually. I found a streaming service that uh, has all of the Raid franchise. So that might be a Sunday activity for me coming up. Well, we'll put it in the show notes, but I could see that I think it was on maybe Stan. But again, I'll uh, look it again and chuck it in the notes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for the Aussies, I hope it's on an Aussie streaming service. That'd be great. All right. Now, can you share with us an Asia-capable professional you've met on the journey who has great clout and maybe give us a bit of an insight into why? Yeah. So again, it all comes back to my wife. So I'm going to nominate her. She's my wife, my life partner, and as of recently, now my business partner as well, and the mother of my two-year-old son uh, in Karani. So we've been on quite a journey together and I think a lot of people can probably empathize with this that having you know become parents together at the start of the COVID pandemic you know I feel like we've probably emotionally both grown a decade in the space of two or three years together so you know through a lot of lockdowns in isolation with just her and my son it brought us closer together not further apart but I think in terms of the theme of the podcast I think she's obviously Asia-capable. She's Indonesian and from Jakarta. But I think I'll sort of flip it around the other way, that having worked in Australia for a decade, she's Australia-capable. And she's a big fan of Korean TV and film and has started learning Korean on Duolingo. And I'm ashamed to say possibly speaks Korean better than I speak Bahasa Indonesia. (laughs) Yeah, so definitely Asia-capable. Big Japanophile has has been obsessed with um, 
Japan Japanese history since she was a kid, but now also Australia capable too, and just an absolute legend of a person. But if I can, it's not maybe it's a second nomination. I in preparing for this podcast, I, I listened to your your other podcasts, and there was one of the early guests. I think his name was Matthew, who nominated Anthony Bourdain, and that really resonated with me as well. I think for him, it was because he was a foodie. I got onto Anthony Bourdain when I had a housemate who was a foodie and it was just on 24-7. And one of the things that really resonated with me with Anthony Bourdain is he's a late bloomer. And I thought I saw somewhere that he said that he barely travelled overseas until he was in his 40s. And yet he became known as this, uh, you know, troubadour travel documentarian. And I think it just goes to show that if you connect with other people and you're curious about the world, it's never too late to sort of branch out and do the thing that you're really passionate about. And it's never too late to go and explore a new culture and a new way of life. And, you know, as someone who's 37, who's never lived abroad until a couple of months ago, and is just on the start of his Indonesian journey, I thought that Bourdain's story resonated with me from that perspective too. All right. Well, in that vein, I mean, tell us a little bit more about this business. Where can people find you? Yeah, thanks, Brody. So the consulting business that Inca and I have started is a strategy consulting business with a focus on customers and community. It's called Sutasoma, S-U-T-A-S-O-M-A. And website is sutasoma.id. And we're on Instagram and LinkedIn as well and pretty easy to find. So we're really excited about it. It's business strategy and social impact. Our real passion is to work with people who are out there doing exciting creative things and you know for whom business is is sort of secondary to their passions and they can look after their passions and, and we can support them with the business side of their business so it's really exciting maybe if i can get onto a later episode of a podcast i can explain the story behind the name but for those who are curious google sutasoma and, and you'll find that uh, it's named after an ancient epic poem and i think the story and the moral of the story is pretty cool Yeah, very keen to have you come back in six months or maybe a year and see where the journey's at. For now, thank you so much, Tim, for joining us today. And we'll get the the company details in the show notes. Fantastic. Thanks a lot, Brony. And I wish you and Lucy a lot of success with the podcast. I think it's a great initiative. 